Hello and welcome to the King Hero IndyCar Podcast with Kirby and Justin. Kirby, how are you? Doing well, Justin. How about yourself? Hot, but probably not nearly as hot as the fans of Iowa uh, will be watching this race. But more on that in a minute. Kirby, uh, as usual, time's limited. Can we just hop right in? Hop away. Let's start, if you don't mind, looking in the rear view mirror at the Toronto race. Much has been said. Uh, much has been written. I, I, it's late in the piece for us. It's uh, just to timestamp this. It's uh, Friday, the 22nd of July. So there's already been practice at Iowa for the the dual races uh, over the weekend. You know, we're kind of late in this, so I, I don't think we have to go into too much detail. I had a couple of observations. I'm sure you did, Curb. Everybody's talking about Mr. Dixon and, you know, how, yeah, we, we all wrote him off too early. We all, you know, did this and, you know, he's back. Curb, do you think this one race in Toronto, do you think that puts him, quote unquote, back in form or not? Not only did he obviously have a good race, he had good qualifying, which has been a bugaboo for him in, in recent seasons. So to qualify well, as well as race well, um, I think is a good sign for him. To say that he was gone is a bit of a stretch. He's was still, I think, uh, fourth fourth in the standings maybe coming into the the race, maybe fifth, but uh, was still in the ball game. And there have been plenty of seasons where he won the championship where he was nowhere in the first half of the season and came on strong in the second half. So it remains to be seen whether this is a, a, you know, a flash in the pan, a blast from the past for him, or whether it's the beginning of another one of those second half charges. Well, you covered certainly all the possible scenarios there, Curb. Very brave answer. <laughs> <laughs> that's the kind of, that's the kind of insight we're looking for out of this podcast. Just that brave cover every possible <clears throat> scenario answer. Thanks. That was really good. Well, I don't. I, you know, I don't think he's, could be. Could not be. It, it might even be somewhere in between there. Jesus. I don't think he's finished. Let's put it that way. Okay. Can I be a bit more pointed? Point away. This race in Toronto and and perhaps uh, this race in Iowa, uh, these two races in Iowa are his best chances this year uh, to shine. And I think particularly in Toronto, like experience mattered. We talked about that. Uh, in the podcast before. Uh, in fact, I picked Dixon rather early in the piece because of that particular thing. So I often say one swallow does not make a spring. And I, and I didn't, and I've said this a hundred times, I I'm not in the mood to write Dixon off um, because I, I have in the past before and I've been wrong. But I think those of you, those of you who are wagging your finger and saying, Oh, you, you said, you know, he was, he was done and look at this. I don't think you can point to this one Toronto race and wag your finger at people and say, see, I told you so. I just think that's that's a bit over the top. He's going to have to do more, and he's going to have to do more this year um, before I'm convinced that he's actually back in form. And, uh, you know, I don't think failing to win the championship means he's finished, but um, he's got teammates on his own team with uh, equal equipment that he's got to overcome as much as he does, uh, you know, the other competitors. So. Yeah. Uh, it's a stiff challenge for him. Question is, is he a, a top five contender these days? Now you look at his position in the championship, you say, yeah, he is. And he is lurking. I mean, he's, he's, he's definitely in this uh, race for the championship this year, whether I'm going to call Dixon a top five driver at the end of the season, I think to me, it's the jury's out. 
going into the season, I still would have said Dixon and Newgarden were probably the the top two guys. But uh, you know, even Newgarden's struggling quite a bit this year, and uh, it's hard to say he's head and shoulders above anybody else either. So, I, I, do we need to talk about Palau at all? I mean, it just looks like maybe he just made a real bonehead maneuver. I guess not. I mean, I, I think it's. I think Rosenquist's comments after the race um, last week were interesting. That being, well, I mean, for one thing, he he lobbied lobbied for himself, which is un, a little bit unusual or out of character for him, I think. Uh, but he scored a podium and was pretty much lobbied to uh, remain in IndyCar rather than be shunted off to Formula E next year. The quote was that at the moment, it doesn't sound like he's going to be racing at all in IndyCar next year. Um, he said it's up to yeah, lawyers. Palau, you're talking about. That Palau's not going to be racing at all. In this is Rosenquist saying this about Palau, yeah. Yes. Um, yes. He says, I think, honestly, it hasn't really changed anything. And this, he says, this whole deal went down months ago. I did not know all the details of it that I know now, but nothing has really changed. And that whole this whole deal went down months ago. I just found a strange comment. <laughs> um you know, and you go back to a few, couple months ago when Tony Kanaan says, oh, you're going to fall out of your chair when you find out who's going to McLaren. And, and it, it makes it sound like something's been going on behind the scenes for a while. Whatever the legal, you know, none of us are privy to the legal details of all this, but whatever they are, I don't care what you say, Palau's pooped the bed. He has. But it makes you, it makes you wonder if, if McLaren or Zach Brown saw this contract either, whether they just accepted assurances from Palau's management that he was available um, because, you know, theoretically we should all be able to look at a contract and understand what it says. Right. I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, it shouldn't be that hard. If this goes the wrong way, Palau could find himself sued by two, two teams, not just one. Yeah. And McLaren has been pretty quiet since that night. Right. I mean, they, they threw that uh, press release out, which was after midnight in England, you know, for them, and you don't really hear anybody, you know, speaking up for their side of the equation at this point. Yeah. And if anything, I would say Palau's been a bit sheepish the last couple of weeks and certainly not like I'm going to McLaren. Right. I mean, he's, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's exactly. definitely step. He's walking that back big time. It just goes to prove something I've long suspected about most car uh, race car drivers. Mm hmm. They're not the sharpest tools in the shed. <laughs> <laughs> you know. I think race car drivers, musicians, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, there's several professions out there that, you know, you just, you know, athletes are athletes. They're really yeah. good athletes. Right. Yeah. Um, I did watch an SRX race uh, recently, Curb. I watched the Nashville one. Like the series. Um, but what really struck me um, is how incredibly generous they are to IndyCar. You know, I mean, the IndyCar obviously had a huge presence in terms of drivers there, right? And mm -hmm. really, so, you know, they had daily commentating. You know, you had uh, driver presence there. Newgarden was there uh, along with the other, you know, usuals. And, um, and I, it was really, uh, I was just struck by how much mention of IndyCar there was and how much compliment, the, how complimentary it was. I mean, for being on a competing network, it was amazing. They don't have any other series to promote, right? So I guess um, uh, that you got, you know, it's kind of a neutral Switzerland of uh, the networks, right, in terms of racing. And then, you know, Alan Bestwick is doing the play-by-play, -play, right? 
he's uh, one of the track announcers at the Speedway the whole month of May. And um, but, you know, he's <clears throat> gainfully employed by uh, Roger Penske and, and IndyCar and the Speedway. So he's got some connections to IndyCar. And um, no, and you would expect to be all like all NASCAR, you know, and it just wasn't. The NASCAR guys that are racing in there are pretty damn old, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, but they're they're doing pretty damn well. Are they? So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So Curb, uh, speaking of NASCAR, mm-hmm. uh, you have been fretting and wringing your hands and worrying away about how, you know, uh, NASCAR was going to steal Road America from IndyCar. Um, are you sleeping better now, Curb? I am, yeah. I think that's <laughs> welcome welcome news for IndyCar. I feel badly for the folks at, at Road America. I'm sure that was a nice payday for them. Uh, what we're referring to, for those of you who have lives, um, NASCAR <laughs> is uh, moving or having a street race in Chicago, and they've decided to do away with Road America to make room for that. You know, not only is it you're not competing with uh, NASCAR in terms of uh, attendance and ticket sales, but you know, you get your date back or you can't get your date back because IndyCar had a late June date in recent years and, and NASCAR came in and wanted the 4th of July. And so IndyCar had to move to early June, which really crowded that point, part of the schedule for IndyCar following the the 500. And then going forward, uh, Roger Penske's got an interest in uh, Le Mans and so certainly drivers do too. And so if you can move uh, Road America back out of early June and into late June, then that can free up uh, that that post Indy 500 period a little bit. Kerba, you backed me into it now. Um, okay. T- with talking of you know t- dates and so forth, uh, I'm going to complain here. Okay. What moron thought it was good to have two day races on July 23rd and 24th in Iowa? Uh, whoever it is that controls the NBC schedule. But it's it's a disaster. You here you got High V, you know, they're really executing by all accounts, like, you know, really doing things on all bases. They sold eight thousand tickets to their own employees and all that kind of stuff. You know, they're they're really activating on the highest level we've seen in some time. And they just give them the middle finger by putting two races. And I understand the NBC part of this, but at least give us one night race, something that you can't just sit there and stifle. There's no way you can sit out there in that stifling heat. No way. And, the, and you can't say, well, we didn't know it was going to be that hot. Well, screw that. It was going to be that hot. <laughs> right. It's, it's Iowa in the middle of July. Uh, yeah. Give me a break. It just pisses me off. And I know, like I said, I understand the old vagaries of, of the NBC, and but that's just ridiculous. You'd be better off time delayed on NBC. And I don't think even USA Network wants to give up prime time for an IndyCar race, right, on a Saturday night. So, no. So that part's a challenge, and you either got to – buy into streaming or or bite the bullet and take what they give you i mean i i i hearken back to that that indy uh indy 500 a few years ago right just yeah. hellish conditions hellish whatever fan that uh sits in the stands for two concerts and an indycar race in that weather uh, hats off to them yeah no it's just i mean i think even you and i would struggle to go to two races in those conditions look, look ideally it's a night race that's for sure i don't short-term thinking in my view yeah i pay for peacock premium so i don't watch commercials and you know thankfully it was on peacock so there's only gonna be like three minutes of commercials during the race and so on and so forth but they go to commercial instead of leaving the camera on and just turning the volume on you know so you're not have to listen to the guys in the booth a screen comes up and says 
we'll be back shortly. And so you're looking at a blank screen for a minute and a half or two minutes. However long the commercial <laughs> right. What did I gain from that? <laughs> I'd rather watch the commercial. Maybe right. I, you know, like I, I watched one the, the other day and I bought that, uh, you know, uh, virtual reality thing. So maybe there's something I want in those commercials. Right. Exactly. Yeah, I think but, you're better off with the commercials. Commercial-free, but it's a blank screen for two minutes. It doesn't <laughs> really accomplish much for me. Um, before we get to Iowa picks, uh, uh, you may you may have another topic you want to get to, but uh, did you notice that Rich Energy got one more, got another one? I'm sorry? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, half, I half expected you to respond exactly the way you responded. Thank you for delivering. That's, that's almost as good as the Scott uh, Dixon answer I got from you. Um, <laughs> Rich Energy Drinks, the sponsor of or was a sponsor of Haas F1 team, which was run by this guy who looks like he's from ZZ Top, a guy named William Story, who's got this very strange background and you know murky background. And, and as far as I can tell, there's never been – a can of rich energy drink actually ever sold anywhere. Okay. And yet they've sponsored an F1 team at least through half the year till they stopped and said, well, they're, the Haas is performing so poorly, we're not going to sponsor it anymore. And the guy ran, did a similar thing to, uh, say, Rocket, all right, mm-hmm. with Haas F1. Then the guy goes and he sponsors uh, a, a motorcycle racing team, right? Same thing, okay. a couple of years later, right? Right. And and lo and behold, the exact same thing happens, except this time they can't say it's not the performance because the team's like leading the, the championship or very close. <laughs> right. So, right. But he's done the same thing. And it just that combined with the rocket thing, it just it just goes to show me is like one thing a team can never do, despite whatever history the the guy has or his, his company has, is say no to a sponsorship ever. Hey, and that business is hard to turn any money down, I'm sure. I'm sure maybe uh, Penske or Ganassi might do it sometimes, but it's got to be few and far between. And Rocket, you know, if you think about it, I mean, they did that same thing to Williams F1, and there's Foyt well, taking their money. You know, you know, he said, well, that's a lot of money for Formula One. He can probably handle our budget. It's such a weird business that way. It really is. It functions like no, nowhere else. Can I, I – you just – I don't know why I thought of it. I guess talk of Rocket and therefore Foyt and therefore – Dalton Kellett. Dalton Kellett was interviewed by they. Mm-hmm. And I actually decided to listen to it because I thought, you know, here's a guy we don't hear from very often, right? Right. Be interested in hearing his, you know, outlooks on kind of where he's going, what he's doing there, all these kind of things. You know, it might be kind of interesting, right? If he was being interviewed by anybody else, probably, maybe. <laughs> Well, yeah, that's pretty insightful of, of you to say um, because because Dalton probably didn't get a word in edgewise. Well, that's part of it. But the words he did utter, uh, there's two things I want to say about this, and, and we don't have to spend a lot of time on it. But one of the things was, you know, Dalton's been a bit, uh, how shall we say, uh, political as of late, I guess. A little, little bit voicing yeah. about his politics, very right. soon, you know, and. I think he's been getting a bit of feedback like stay in your own lane uh, from, you know, the populace in general. Stay in your lane and stop talking about American politics, you Canuck. OK, right. Well, you can imagine with the positions he took and and all these things, uh, how he was being held up by they, uh, you know, 
Right. Sure. Nothing but uh, nothing but sympathy for old uh, Dalton on these levels. Right. Sure. So so that that probably dominated the vast majority of the thing is like Dalton's uh, activities, for lack of a better word there. Um, somewhat justified by the fact that he was marrying, marrying American and therefore someday might have American kids and therefore had every right to comment on American politics. It's always about our children's future, right? Yes. Right. It's about it's about the children. Um, <laughs> so I'm just going to leave that out there. There's no point in commenting further on that. But the other thing that really stuck to me, and, and you might find this interesting, is that he was asked occasionally a question about racing, you know, where he saw himself at. (laughs) And I've never seen a guy more content with, like, small levels of improvement, right? Right. This guy is not driven to to lead a race anytime soon. I mean, I the, the over if every answer was like, eh, yeah, you know, I'm really working on this and I'm working on that. And you just got the impression this guy's never going anywhere because he has no drive to get to the front. None. He's not upset enough over bringing up the back of the field every week. Well, um, yeah, I'll, I'll stop there. I mean, I, I, so I was, uh, my wife and I are, for whatever reason, we're working on our wills, right? We met with the attorney last week to go over our will. And give them nothing, Curb. Give them nothing. Yeah. Well, that's exactly it. He says, he says, you know, I, he's, cause he's been doing this for 30 years, right? And he has the wisdom of seeing all these other families and, and what happens. And he says, he says, you know, there's a very, very real, and to be clear here, first of all, nobody's going to, not work a day in their lives off of my will. So it's not like don't want to lead anybody uh, to the wrong uh, idea here. But his point was that. Am um, I going to lose two two listeners because I said give them nothing? Yeah. Are we going to lose two of our followers? Yeah. If, only, if only they were actually listening. So, uh, <laughs> but, um, but anyway, his point was he said, you know, he knows people where the kids get a, more money than they'll need early on in life. And therefore, they have no motivation yes. to go strive and, and, and accomplish things. And they, yes. he says, you know, guy comes around, has all sorts of ideas about things. But then when it gets hard, just kind of drops them and waits around to the next one. And the guy is very depressed and very you know, unfulfilled in his life. And, you know, I look at Adolf Kellett, who his family pays for him to come out here year after year. I mean, this isn't. This isn't a one-off or, hey, give it a shot, kid, and if you make something yourself, great. If not, we're going to pull the plug and and uh, and save our money in the future. It's, it's like his third year at least, isn't it? He's not going to say, hey, I'm going to take my money and work my way up the grid and, and go to a more successful team. I'm just, me, and, me and Larry, we're made for each other. An interesting uh, dynamic. But yeah, you kind of yeah. wonder if there's really a fire there or if it's just, hey. I'm having fun spending my dad's money and yeah, no, I don't. Yeah, I don't think it's maybe that on the nose, but I mean, yeah, I don't. I, the the fire isn't there. Before the before the political stuff, uh, he was getting lots of favorable publicity for uh, his social media presence and explaining IndyCar issues and using his engineering background and and being well spoken and those kind of things. And anyways, yeah, I mean that's enough on him, but uh, you know, it's kind of interesting, right? I mean, it's it is interesting, or it could be interesting. In the hands of the right interviewer, it could be really interesting. Yeah, I mean, 
maybe he'll <laughs> maybe Don Kell will be one of uh, the team owners of the future. I don't know. But uh, Kerba, ready for picks? And uh, we've both seen the uh, practice results from this afternoon. We've right? both seen the practice results. We did not watch the broadcast. I think we can say that, that neither of you or I watched Peacock. So if there was some insight there that was we to be had, we've only, seen the, we've only seen the results. Unlike Don Kelly, we were hard at work striving yeah. um, for our futures and missed the Peacock show. Well, you know what? I the, One of the things I looked up before we, you know, for, from a betting standpoint, I wanted, I wanted to see who who uh, had tested there and who hadn't, because right. you would have to write off almost anybody who hadn't tested there in the new format, right? Uh, lo and behold, I think everybody's tested there as far as teams go. If I'm first and I'm looking at practice one results, I feel the need to choose willpower. Well, that's interesting, Curb. I did not have you pegged for ch- choosing willpower. I, I do think he'll be strong here. Uh, you know, he's obviously first in practice today. I think as a word of caution, the first practice is a really dangerous thing to make your picks off based off of um when you look in the past history of this race he's a consistent strong performer uh backing that last comment up i'm gonna go with joseph newgarden also a very consistent strong performer at this track which is probably the smarter pick i'm probably blinded by two mile per hour deficit to power in practice today nobody's got a stronger track record there than newgarden so i am going to go with well, i'll just stick with penske and go with mclaughlin I knew you would do that. You're so predictable. I mean, there's, just, there, there's a lot of people to choose from there. So I, just, uh, I won't call it a bold pick, Kerr, because I don't think it was a bold pick because um, he hasn't raced there. That's the dangerous part about it is. Yeah, he hasn't raced there. So I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop short of calling it a bold pick. Um, but it's because, uh, you know, he's obviously performed well there. But, yeah, that's uh, he, he hasn't raced there. So maybe maybe you're taking a bit of a risk there. Um, Scotty Dixon. Okay. Again, uh, another track where he's been historically strong at. And uh, these three races, uh, the two, the Toronto and the two Iowa races are where I expect him to perform. Especially after the little bit of chastising you gave me there for bypassing Newgarden on the first pick. I I thought about uh, going with Dixon there based on experience, but, you know, I just decided if I'm going for raw speed versus experience, I'm going to go for it and, and I'll let you have it. So Dixon's fourth on his own team today in practice, which doesn't mean everything. But um, I can just settle for Alex Palau with my third pick and feel just as good, I think. Okay. Well, now it gets difficult. It, one, one of the things that stands out to you uh, looking at the practice results is that Andretti seems to be behind the eight ball a little bit as a team. Herda in 14th is their highest is our highest, today. and then look at where the other guys are. 20, 23, 24. Okay. Uh, wow. I'm flummox curve. This is a hard one. I think I know where I'd go next. Hmm. I'm grabbing an award. There you go. I think uh, he's made for this kind of race. Uh, I'm, uh, is that was a tough, tough decision. Uh, but I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna grab a award. By the way, we usually make these picks and then kind of forget we ever made them. But uh, I'll have to give you credit where credit's due. Uh, for Toronto, you had Power, Dixon, and Herta. Yes, I did. And I yeah. had uh, I had pretty much nobody. So. <laughs> <laughs> so kudos to you on your Toronto picks. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. I, 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 I would like to put some names out here for betting purposes, um, if you don't mind, Curb, before we sign off here. Yeah, do you have the... Uh, I don't. I, I, no, I didn't. I'm just too too busy today to do to 
do my job as a podcaster properly. Guys that potentially are maybe higher odds that uh, could win this race in no particular order, Graham Rahal, Connor mm-hmm. Daly. Second, the second fastest in practice today, Connor Daly. Yep, yep. Uh, so his odds might be disproportionately low. Um, Simon Pagano has a really positive history at this track. Now, that would be a very long shot. Um, but uh, I think very, very strong record at this track. A few years ago, he went from last to first, didn't he? Yeah, and he might be one of those you pick for like a top three finish. Yeah, um, yeah. Yep. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, there's a, I would avoid Andretti team in general. Uh, you know what? And another lurker there could be, uh, Felix Rosenquist. Uh, maybe. Seems like a, I don't know, feels like a busy track to me for him. Yeah, I, I suppose that Colton Herter probably has, uh, good odds. So he probably wouldn't be a, a, a value bet. But, you know, looking at, looking at today's timesheets, anybody that's in the second half of the field, uh, that maybe, could overcome that. You already put up Pagano, which is a good pick. But you know, Hurt is a guy that maybe could could uh, move his way forward during the race, even with well, a only only if, only if Andretti can get their stuff together. I mean, I, I think the fact that Rossi's so far back there, unless they were testing, you know, testing for longer runs or whatever, you know, you don't know these things, right? All right, Curb, um, I've got uh, things to do. Well, go do them. Uh, stay cool this weekend and um, enjoy the races, everybody. Uh, do we have uh, Twitter or whatever? At Hero IndyCar. At, at H-I-R-O IndyCar. All right. Take care, everybody. Enjoy the races. Bye-bye.